It's time to call our shots. On today's episode, we're going to divulge our greatest pitchers of all time. We distinguish this by era. Proceeding forward, we're going to adjust our posting schedule. Mondays will be dedicated to a sports history episode, and Wednesdays you can expect to hear our normal show. As always, if you enjoy our content, follow us on Twitter at CallOurShots. Tweet at us. Let us know if you agree with our rankings or if there was a pitcher that we left off. If you would like to support our show, you can find the link at patreon.com slash callingmyshots. Let's get into it. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time, this field, this game. It's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Dalton, what does it mean to be great and to be considered elite? Well, you consider yourself elite and are declared elite by comparing yourself against those who came before. So this week on Calling My Shots, we're going to tell you about the top pitchers from different eras of baseball. It was no fun just doing a top 10 list because as we were talking this week, you can't compare Christy Mathewson to Clayton Kershaw. Plus, it's been 120 years, but also different strike zones, different types of pitches, different everything. So with that being said, Dalton and I are going to bring you the top pitchers in baseball history. Yeah, we really wanted to take a deep dive into baseball history and going forward we're going to have exclusive episodes where we dive into mlb nhl maybe even football into the history of it and really give you some deep analysis and baseball is a sport full of rich history it's america's pastime it's my favorite sport i'm obviously biased and partial towards it but putting together this list was amazing it was a lot of fun We really hope that you guys enjoy it. I think that you will. Zach and I, we feel like are pretty well-versed in baseball history. And what he said earlier was right. It is so hard to compare Cy Young, for example, to Justin Verlander. It's just impossible. You have to grade on a different criteria. And to make just an overall top 10 list would be a complete disservice to the baseball community. Agreed. Agreed. We're going to do this right. We're going to go by the eras. We're going to start with the origin of baseball and go to 1950. So with that being said, let's get rolling. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is establish our criteria. That way the listeners know whenever we're discussing our players, kind of how we came to our conclusion. And mine were their overall stats. I factor war, ERA plus, and a lot of categories and advanced statistics into it just because that's what I place the most emphasis on. And then also the individual awards and accolades that they won and the postseason success that they had because a lot of guys distinguish themselves in the playoffs. They step up and it really can be career defining. I would certainly agree with that statement, but I did not take postseason success into mine. Um, Mine was strictly off of good old stats and just kind of their place in baseball history. Not a big sabermetrics guy, but I did use just a little bit of war or wins above replacement in my research. But um, that being said, that's not going to take the place for my number one reason for somebody to be on my list. So it'll be interesting to see if we actually come up with the same pictures or if we have completely differing viewpoints on it. Awesome. 
All right, so Dalton, you want to get started? Who's your number three? So the top three pitchers from the beginning of baseball to 1950, which we are going to label as the pre-war era of baseball, my number one has to be Denton T. Cy Young. The guy has an award named after him for most valuable pitcher. There's obviously a reason for that. He played for the Cleveland Spiders from 1890 to 98. And then the St. Louis Perfectos, who we know now as the Cardinals from 1899 to 1900. But perhaps he was best known for his time with the Boston Americans slash the Red Sox. Some of the key stats that I want to divulge into. He has 511 career wins with 316 losses. A lot of people consider this to be the most unbreakable record in sports. 511 wins. No one else really comes close to it. It's an unbreakable record. I know it was a different time, but that still has to stand for something. He had a career 2.63 ERA, 749 complete games, 76 shutouts, 2,803 strikeouts, and a 163.8 wins above replacement, which is absolutely ridiculous. So Cy Young individually accounted for 163 wins. No matter what you say, I think that has to clearly make him the best pitcher from this era. I value wins above replacement the most out of any statistic in baseball because it accounts for how many wins the guy individually accounted for. So he also has the most games started with 815. He threw the first ever perfect game. When you think of pitchers from this era, you think of Sayo. He won one triple crown, two ERA titles. And in 1903, he also hit 321 in 41 games played. I found that to be a very interesting stat. He actually had a really good season hitting, too. The one knock against him, I would say, is his minimal postseason experience. And one thing I want to do for all these pitchers, because we're diving into history here, is give the greatest quote, either from him directly or what someone said about him. This quote comes from Cy Young. He said, gosh, all a kid has to do these days is spit straight, and he gets $40,000. So some postseason stats for you real quick. He went 2-3 and three with a 2.36 ERA. He did have three complete games with one shutout, a 1.049 whip, and he won the 1903 World Series. I'm also going to bring in some more Sabre metrics. There's a stat called CWPA, and it's championship win probability added. This is a fascinating statistic. And basically what it does is you have a plus or minus of 100%. So if a pitcher has 100%, that means he accounted for one World Series win. Cy Young ended up with a 16.7% CWPA, which is pretty good overall, considering the minimal amount of postseason experience that he had. He's achieved every single accolade. There's an award named after him. I felt like he is very deserving of the number one spot. Good pick, Cy Young. He will come up later. I'm going with the big train. Walter Johnson is my number one pick from the origin of baseball to 1950. Again, his nickname was the big train. He pitched from 1907 to 1927. He pitched all 21 years with the Washington Senators. He is part of the Immortals baseball class, which was the inaugural baseball Hall of Fame class that included himself, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner, and Christy Mathewson, which is a pretty good company, I think. <laughs> Just going by his stats here, 417 wins, 279 losses, 2.17 ERA, 3,500 strikeouts, 
1,363 walks. This equates to roughly averaging over his 21-year career of a 19-13 and record with five shutouts, 274 innings pitched on the season, 163 strikeouts, and 63 walks. He also had 20-plus wins for more than 10 years consecutively, had 110 shutouts, and 531 complete games, with the shutouts being a Major League Baseball record. For war or wins above replacement, he had a value of 164.3, which means he is the second most valuable player in baseball history, only to George Herman Ruth or the Bay. And he had a 91-mile-an-hour fastball with a sidearm motion, which... If you've ever batted against a side armor, it's it's weird enough eyeballing it. But in 1900, seeing a 90 mile an hour fastball, right-handed batters are quoted as saying it looked like the ball was coming in from third base. It was so wild. He was something. Dalton, what you got for number two? So I couldn't agree with you more. And I actually went back and forth several times on whether or not to put Walter Johnson ahead of Cy Young. They were so similar and it was a very hard decision but i actually have walter johnson as my number two pitcher from this era you have to include this guy on the list most people would consider him to be the greatest pitcher of all time and you're right as you're talking about him throwing a 91 mile per hour fastball back then with a sidearm motion that is ridiculous some people believe that if he played in the modern era and he actually had better fundamentals he would easily hit triple digits my favorite thing about him is he made ty cobb flinch the first time he faced him and he was quoted saying his fastball looked about the size of a watermelon seed and it hissed you as it passed his velocity was crazy back then as you alluded to earlier he has the number one wins above replacement for any pitchers he's very deserving on this list you can certainly make the argument that he is number one i just placed a little bit more value in cy young's wins and some of the unbreakable records that he had. My only knock against Walter Johnson would be that his postseason numbers were very mediocre, but he did win the 1924 World Series. However, his CWPA was minus 1.2%. I take some emphasis on that, but still, the big train is one of the best pitchers of all time, and my number two from this era. And no doubt, and I've I've read this from uh, golf ball measurements back in those days, they conducted the velocity test with something that was called an electric eye, and they have since determined that that way was an invalid way of determining speed. So it's very possible that he was throwing more than 91 miles an hour, which is mind-blowing, just wild. All right, number two, I've got Christy Matheson. Played from 1900 to 1917. He spent 16 years with the New York Giants and three years with the Cincinnati Reds. As I said before, he's part of that Immortals class with uh, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and Honus Wagner, as well as the big train Walter Johnson. Christy Matthews went 373 and 188 in his career with a 2.13 ERA. 2,502 strikeouts, 848 walks. This pretty much equates to a 21-11 and 11 average year record. Five shutouts, 274 innings pitched, 143 strikeouts, and 49 walks. 6.65 win percentage all-time. Third all-time in shutouts was 79. So obviously an incredibly gifted pitcher, but he was also a hell of an athlete. He actually played fullback for a pro sports team in Pittsburgh back in the day, the Pittsburgh Stars, until uh, the the Giants made him retire because it was obviously 
incredibly dangerous for his baseball career. Christy Matthews made his money with a pitch that they labeled the fadeaway pitch because it faded away from the batter at the plate, and it's what we would call in the modern era a screwball. I thought that was pretty interesting. The screwball was invented before the curveball. Interesting. That's certainly a great nomination. For my number three pitcher, I have none other than Lefty Grove, the best left-handed pitcher of all time. He played for the Philadelphia Athletics from 1925 to 1933. And then the Boston Red Sox from 1934 to 41. He was a six-time All-Star. He won two World Series. He won the 1931 AL MVP award. He's a 300-game winner, going 300 and 141. He has a career 3.06 ERA, 298 complete games, 35 shutouts, 2,266 strikeouts, and a 113.3 wins above replacement. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame class of 1947. So he's sixth all-time in wins above replacement, just so we can kind of understand where his statistics lie all-time. He is sixth all-time in ERA plus at 148. Zach, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this stat, but a lot of people use it to compare pitchers and compare ERAs from different eras. Not sure how much emphasis you take on this, but I think it is an incredible statistic in order to be able to compare guys from this era to the modern era. And basically what it means for the listeners, if you aren't familiar with it, let's say a pitcher had a 120 ERA. That means statistically, he would be 20% better at not allowing runs than every other pitcher. And that's how the stats compared. And that's how we look at it on the grand scheme of things. So he's sixth all time in ERA plus at 148, which means he is statistically 48% better at not allowing runs. I think that is tremendous. And he is very deserving of the number three spot. He also has two triple crowns, which I think is a very important accolade to win as a pitcher. Nine ERA titles, which is the most all time. And his 680 career winning percentage is the highest among all 300 game winners. Pretty good for a guy that made his MLB debut at age 25. If you think if he played five more years, how many wins would he have actually had with his insane winning percentage? So my favorite Lefty Grove quote, you've got a little round ball and a little round bat and anything can happen. He's a true baseball guy. And he was also dominant in the postseason going four and two with a 1.75 ERA, two complete games, two saves, a 1.013 whip, and a 56.5% CWPA. Pretty great track record, if you ask me. No doubt, no doubt. Well, uh, for my number three pick of that era, I'm going with Denton True Young, which uh, most people call him Cy Young. Dalton already ran down his stat line. Averaging out over his career for 162 games, he would have averaged 20 wins, 12 losses, a 2.63 ERA, three shutouts, 291 innings. Is That is phenomenal. Ridiculous. 111 strikeouts and 48 walks. Cy Young, a five-time 30-game winner. That is mind-boggling. Again, he's got 511 wins, and obviously most all-time never will be caught. This is my main knock against Cy Young. So the American League was actually a minor league organization until the two leagues merged when the American League as we know it, was formed in 1901. They actually merged with the National League in 1903 to determine what we now call Major League Baseball. Well, the thing I have against Cy Young is he pitched 10 years from 1890 until 1901 when the American League was formed against inferior competition. 
That's my knock on Cy Young. He obviously has a lot of wins. I think that Walter Johnson and Christy Mathewson played these big games and these other big teams every day as opposed to being the big fish in the small pond. Again, not knocking any of the statistics. That's just my personal knock on Cy Young. I mean, the award's named after him, for God's sakes. What more do you want? So any cripes against that? No, I think that's a very fair assessment. And he is a hard guy to rank just because of the point that you brought up earlier about playing in 1890. It was such a different era back then. And you certainly have to take that with a grain of salt. But we both mutually agree that he obviously deserves a spot on this list. In this no area. doubt. And you run into this problem a lot when you compare sports with past athletes like this win-loss record that we see today is something that could never be reached. Or the other things like uh, the ERA crown that Bob Gibson had in 1968 that we'll get into, or other things like that. When you have these records that are so far in the past and look so gargantuan, it's hard to really put that up against modern standards. And I think that that's why another reason why Dalton and I broke this list up into segments so we could really compare these guys against the people that they played against as opposed to modern day athletes. Well said. Couldn't have said it any better. So let's move into the space age of baseball. We have our top three pitchers from 1951 to 1975. Number one on my list, it's Sandy Koufax. I think this is an easy one. If Sandy Koufax didn't have to battle arthritis and could have played a full career, I would probably put him as the best pitcher of all time. And here's why. He is a seven-time All-Star. He spent his entire career with the Brooklyn Dodgers, who then shifted into the Los Angeles Dodgers as we know them. He won the 1959, 63, and 65 World Series Championship. He won the NL MVP in 1963, and he also won two World Series MVPs. He won 165 games with 87 losses. He has a 2.76 ERA, 137 complete games, 40 shutouts, and 2,396 strikeouts with a 48.9 wins above replacement. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame class of 1972. For a guy who could not throw a ball inside the batting cage when he was first called up, his progression was absolutely baffling to me. He was a guy that had so much talent, but hadn't really played baseball. But coaches and scouts saw something in him that gave him a shot, and that obviously panned out well for him. His first six years were horrible, He was 36 and 40 with a 4.01 ERA, and now he ranks second in no hitters all time with four. He arguably had the greatest four year stretch for a pitcher all time with a 92 and 27 record. That's ridiculous. He had a 1.86 ERA during this time. He won three Cy Young awards during a time where only one Cy Young was issued for both leagues. Crazy stuff. It's hard to fathom where his stats would be and where he would rank all time had he not battled arthritis. And a lot of people think that even the last four years of his career, he was dealing with tremendous pain. Some of the accolades that he has, and I think I've already mentioned some of these, an MVP, three Cy Youngs, three Triple Crowns, three World Series rings, five ERA titles, two World Series MVPs. And my guy, Willie Stargell, was once asked, what was it like to hit against Sandy Koufax? His response was hilarious. Have you ever drank coffee with a fork? And in the postseason, Koufax really made a name for himself. He's a top three postseason pitcher of all time with an illustrious resume. Four and three, a 0.95 ERA. Ridiculous. Four complete games, two shutouts, 0.825 whip, 83% CWPA, 
What a lot of people don't realize is his two World Series MVPs came against the Yankees, who during that time were completely dominant with guys like Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and Yogi Berra. And he shut the door on him, won the World Series MVP. I don't really have anything else to say about him. He is an amazing pitcher. No doubt. No doubt. And I completely agree with my number one pick from this era. I went Sandy Koufax. Like I said, Dalton went over his stats. So averaging for his career, he was 16-8 and eight with a 2.76 ERA, four shutouts, 220 innings, 229 strikeouts, 78 walks. He and Juan Marshall are the only two pitchers in the post-World War II era to have multiple 25-win seasons, of which he had three, which is incredible. You said it yourself. He was facing some big-time bats, Mickey Mantle. I mean, he was facing Al Kalin, all these big-name baseball legends he was facing. Another interesting uh, deal here that I saw. Uh, so Sandy Koufax is one of only five pitchers in history to have more strikeouts than innings pitched. He's in there with Trevor Hoffman, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, and Nolan Ryan, which I thought was an incredible stat. You're striking out more than innings you've pitched, which is pretty wild. Another cool uh, deal about Koufax. So Koufax is widely regarded as the greatest Jewish athlete in history and he was very proud in his faith he actually uh game one of the 1965 world series fell on uh, yom kippur and uh he did not pitch he said I, I can't go it's against my religion against my personal beliefs and i thought that was pretty cool i don't know if that would really happen in today's age i mean we obviously don't play baseball or football on christmas i know the nba is uh contractually obligated to do it but it just kind of says um to me, that kind of speaks of the man that Sandy Koufax was. He was He's like, hey, I'm a hell of a baseball player, but I'm also this guy. So I thought that was pretty cool. Good little spot to have him at number one. Yeah. We, what could have him. been? What could have been? Absolutely. Well, the documentary about him was amazing to watch, and we both mutually agree on this one. I think it's pretty easy, and it just shows you the type of pitcher that he was. My number two nomination is Bob Gibson. So he played for the St. Louis Cardinals from 1959 to 75. There's actually a stretch of road in St. Louis named Bob Gibson Way. Judging off that, you know the guy's a legend. He played a role in Major League Baseball, lowering the mound from 15 inches to 10 prior to the 1969 season. And his 1968 season was one of the best all time, going 22 and 9 with a 1.12 ERA. He had 268 strikeouts, 13 shutouts, 15 consecutive wins. He won the Cy Young and MVP that season, and his 1.12 ERA that year ranks the fourth best all-time for a single season. Dusty Baker once said, the only people I've ever felt intimidated by in my whole life were Bob Gibson and my dad. <laughs> well said. His accolades, he won one MVP, two Cy Youngs, nine gold gloves. He was also a great defensive pitcher, which a lot of people might not realize. And he won one ERA title and two World Series MVPs. I mean, you said it yourself, Robert Gibson. The guy was a monster. He's my number two as well. Uh, you just ran down his stat line. Averaging for his career, he was 17-12, and 12, a 2.91 ERA, four shutouts, 262 innings, 210 strikeouts, 90 walks, a 1.12 ERA in 1968 with 13 shutouts. Dalton, it is one thing to be good at this game or any game. It is another thing to dominate the game, but it's a whole nother to change the game. They literally lowered the mound 
like you said, from 15 to 10 inches because he just was so dominant. A 1.12 ERA. They actually changed the strike zone as well. I mean, they shrunk it down starting in 1969. The late 60s, early 70s, the guy was an absolute monster. You win an MVP as a pitcher, you've done pretty well as well. He's obviously a part of that elite club to have done that. But, I mean, he actually just passed away a few months ago but uh, in October. But, man, Bob Gibson was the man. He was an absolutely fierce competitor and was one of the most revered competitors in all of Major League Baseball history. He was also stellar in the postseason, Zach. He had some incredible moments. His numbers, get this, 7-2 and win-loss record, 1.89 ERA, eight complete games, two shutouts, and a 0.889 whip. And he had a 72.1% CWPA, which means he almost accounted for one full World Series win by himself. I also just want to say Zach and I didn't tell each other who we were ranking on this list. So the fact that we agree one and two from this era should show you how great these pitchers were. That's right. Interesting to see if we agree on number three. Who you got? So number three, I have Warren Spahn. Longtime Braves player, played for the Mets and the Giants. He was the ultimate winner. He fought in World War II and won a Purple Heart. His 363 career wins is most in the live ball era. He has 63 career shutouts, which are sixth most all time. And he had 13 seasons where he won 20 games or more. He led the league in complete games every year from 1957 to 1963. And at 42, he posted a 23-7 and record with a 2.6 ERA. At 42. That's ridiculous. He has the most wins all time for a Southpaw. He won one Cy Young Award, three ERA titles, and a World Series championship. He was the model of consistency for two decades. And my only knock that I would have against him is that he never won a triple crown, which I think is an incredible achievement for a pitcher. My favorite Warren Spawn quote came from Stan the Man Musel, who said, I don't think Spawn will get into the Hall of Fame because he'll never stop pitching. <laughs> his postseason post stats, he had decent numbers. He went 4-3 and three with a 3.05 ERA, two complete games, one shutout, a 1.071 whip, and then they obviously won the 1957 World Series Championship. Good pick. Warren Spawn was a hell of a pitcher. So when we made this list, we had to somehow – have cutoff years that way we could compare pitchers in that era and so just happened to be that 1950 to 1975 and then 1975 to 2000 were those cutoffs i bring that up because my my number three of this era is an in-betweener he was very dominant between 1969 to 1984 Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton's the best pitcher that you've never heard of, and I'll go into that in just a second. He um, had a 23-year career from 1965 to 1988. Uh, he pitched 15 years with Philadelphia, seven with the Cardinals, two with the Twins, and had single years with the Indians, Giants, and White Sox. He won 329 games and 244 losses, 3.22 ERA, 4,136 strikeouts, which was actually the record until Nolan Ryan, which was one of his biggest rivals, passed him. Over his career, he would have averaged 15 and 11, three shutouts, 245 innings, 194 strikeouts, and 86 walks. So looking at this, the reason that I chose him for this era and not the next era is because of what he did in 1972. So just for some perspective, the 1972 Philadelphia Phillies went 59 and 97. 
Steve Carlton won 27 games with that team that won 59 wins. He won 46 and a half-ish percent of his team's games that year. That is phenomenal. He pitched 346 innings that year in eight shutouts, which he's the last pitcher to pitch 300 innings. He was a four-time Cy Young winner, won the 1972 Triple Crown. A little interesting tidbit, he is also the major league record holder with 90 balks in his career. (laughs) But... uh, and also, he was partly one of the big reasons why Nolan Ryan never won a Cy Young award. Never won one. Here's why you've never heard of Steve Carlton. So in 1981, Fernando Valenzuela comes on. He's this immigrant pitcher for the Dodgers. And he speaks Spanish, does not know English. And he's just blowing the baseball world away. And um, one famous baseball writer said the two best pitchers in the world do not speak English. Fernando Valenzuela and Steve Carlton. The reason being is Steve Carlton never talked to the media. Anytime any journalist or anybody interview came in there, he told him to go away. And for that reason, he never got a lot of uh, representation in the media. And for that reason, he's kind of been forgotten. But Steve Carlton was a hell of a pitcher. Again, you win 27 games on a 59-win ball club. That speaks for itself. He's my number three guy. You make a very convincing case for him. And you're right. He's also someone that I might have maybe overlooked just because of the media coverage. I think that's an interesting point. And He's well-deserved on this list, and I think you made a very strong case for him. I mean, honestly, have you, had you ever really heard of him before the before we did research on this? No. He was honestly a pitcher that I think I had heard the name a couple of times, but I really didn't know a lot about him. There you go. I mean, the guy won almost 350 games, and nobody even knows who he is. And I think he likes it that way. That's the way he wants it. Yeah. Sounds like he was the Bill Belichick of his era in terms of how <laughs> to the media. <laughs> So let's move into our top pitchers from the steroid era. We're ranging this from 1975 to 2000. And this, as Zach was talking about earlier, is where it gets interesting with the cutoffs that you have in terms of where to rank guys. But my number one that I put on this list was Greg Mad Dog Maddox. The reason why I put this is I felt like he was more dominant in the 90s and even a little bit in the late 80s. And I know he, and he played only eight years in the 2000s, so I felt like it was appropriate to put him here on this list. Some key stats for you. He is 355 and 227 with a 3.16 career ERA. He had 109 complete games with 35 shutouts, 3,371 strikeouts, and a career 106.6 wins above replacement. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, class of 2014. So to put his numbers into perspective for you, he is eighth among pitchers all time in career wins above replacement. He is eighth in career wins, 10th in strikeouts, and he had 17 straight seasons with at least 15 wins, which is the most all time. He won four straight Cy Young awards. And during that stretch, he was dominant with a 75 and 29 record and a 1.98 ERA. He was the best defensive pitcher ever no questions asked, winning 18 gold gloves. That's the record for most gold gloves by any player, and it is a ridiculous stat. He has four Cy Youngs and four ERA titles as well. The one knock that I could make against Mad Dog is that he had a losing record in the playoffs, but his numbers were not as bad as his record indicates. He was 11-14 and 14 with a 3.27 ERA, two complete games, 1.242 whip, and a 22.7% CWPA. But his World Series stats were solid. 
They went two and three with a 2.09 ERA, a 0.905 whip, and a 25.8% CWPA. He was a major reason the Braves won the 1995 World Series and got over that hump. No doubt. No doubt. I love the Mad Dog, but uh, and hear me out. I went strictly off of statistics here. It's very going to be skewed, obviously going to be skewed, but I went the Rocket with number one. I went Roger Clements. He had a 23-year career, 13 years with the Red Sox, six with the Yankees, three with the Astros and the Blue Jays. 354 wins and 184 losses, 3.12 ERA, 4,672 strikeouts. Over the course of his career, that averages out to 17 and 9, two shutouts, 236 innings, 20, 224 strikeouts, and 76 walks. Won seven Cy Youngs, most in history during the steroid era, which is impressive. Stat on its own, he was an 11-time All-Star, and he's part of that exclusive club when he won the 1986 uh, American League MVP. He's the most dominant pitcher in recent memory. Yes, he was a part of the um, steroid scandal. He was on the um, the Balco report for years. Vehemently denied this. Uh, he even tried to make a comeback years ago, a couple years ago. So the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have to be retired for five years before you can officially be uh, inputted for voting for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And it looked like he was trying to make a comeback so he would have five more years for people to forget about his <laughs> steroid use. Again, he took him. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But man, statistically speaking, the guy was a monster. He's my number one for that era. Yeah, and a lot of people are going to knock me for not having him on my list but i did take the steroid use into consideration and i just felt like there were a couple of other alternatives that i liked better but it's really hard to argue against his numbers statistically speaking he probably was the best pitcher of that era and i can't deny that my number two pitcher from the steroid era is tom terrific siever we all know him as mr met his key stats he won 311 games with 205 losses he has a 2.86 era 231 complete games 61 shutouts 3640 strikeouts with a 109.9 wins above replacement he is in the baseball hall of fame class of 1992 so a lot of people would say he is the greatest new york met of all time. I certainly believe so. He turned the lovable losers into World Series champions. This is an incredible accomplishment because they were terrible for a long time. He ranked seventh all time in wins above replacement, sixth in strikeouts with 3640. He is tied for seventh in career shutouts with 61. And in 1992, he was elected to the Hall of Fame with a 98.84 vote percentage, which at the time, stood as a record until Ken Griffey Jr. surpassed that. He won three Cy Youngs, Rookie of the Year Award, three ERA titles, and Hall of Fame manager Sparky Anderson once said, my idea of managing is giving the ball to Tom Seaver and sitting down and watching him work. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't have anyone say anything better about you. I mean, that's just an incredible compliment. And his postseason stats, he was, as I mentioned earlier, one of the key components to the Miracle Mets. World Series win in 1969, going 3-3 three and three with a 2.77 ERA. He pitched two complete games in the playoffs with a 1.086 whip and a 14.9% CWPA. Pretty impressive. Mr. Seaver was the man. He was pretty darn good. My number two, I've got Mad Dog Maddox, Greg Maddox. 
You went through all his numbers earlier. Just so for his career, he averaged 16 wins, 10 losses, two shutouts, 217 innings, 154 strikeouts, and 46 walks. Like you said, he won four Cy Youngs, but he also was the first pitcher ever to win four straight Cy Youngs, which was amazing. 18 gloves, most by any player that ever stepped on the field. Man, this guy could paint it like no other. He couldn't break a pane of glass, but he could paint it. So he faced, in his career, 20,421 batters, and he had 310 3-0 counts in his career. 177 of those 310 were intentional walks. So you're talking less than, you're talking about 140 batters in his career out of those 20,000 that he through three straight balls and didn't mean to. That is incredible. Like you said, he between 1988 and 2006, he won 15 games every year aside from one year. He won 13. Another incredible deal for Maddox was in 97, he threw a complete game against the Cubs and he gave up one run and had 76 pitches in this complete game. He That's ridiculous. shut down 27, well, obviously more than 27 batters with 76 pitchers. He had 13 balls in that game, 76 pitches. To me, you know, you look at these guys today, you look at Kershaw, and I'm not sitting here talking like an old timer back in my day, but I'm just telling you, man, Kershaw, these guys are having 76 pitches through five innings, and Maddox is already walking to the dugout going to the shower. I mean, that to me, that's... That's just amazing. He was part of that three-headed monster that the Braves had with Tom Glavin and, and John Smoltz. You could throw Steve Avery in there for for a year or two, but man, they were they were good. They were tough. The only time that the Braves ever seemed to run into trouble was with the Yankees in the World Series. They uh, played in the World Series in '91, lost to the Twins. They won the World Series in '95. They lost in '96. I mean, the, the Braves were just the team in the '90s, at least in the National League. Man, Maddox was a big part of it, so he's my number two. For a guy that did not have great velocity, it is incredible the numbers that he put up. I think Zach and I could probably both agree that he was the most accurate pitcher of all time. And I'm also interested to know: is he your favorite Braves player of all time? No, no, not at all. I had a, I, I had, and I believe I can still find it somewhere. Uh, I've had one stuffed animal slash teddy bear in my life, and um, his name was uh, Larry for uh, Larry Wayne Jones or Chipper, as some people call him. So Chipper was my childhood idol. Okay, interesting. So moving on to my number three pitcher from the steroid era, I have Nolan Ryan, the Ryan Express. Some key stats for you. He won 324 games with 292 losses. He has a career 3.19 ERA, 222 complete games, 61 shutouts, 5,714 walks, and an 81.3 wins above replacement. He is first in career strikeouts all time. He is tied for seventh in career shutouts with 61, and he is has the most no-hitters in history with seven which I think tells you a lot about how dominant he is. It's so hard. Most pitchers don't even get the privilege of throwing one no-hitter in their career, and this guy threw seven. His 383 strikeouts in 1973 are the most all-time in the modern era of baseball, and he played for 27 seasons, which is the second most all-time, and was a consistent force for more than two decades. An interesting stat that I found, his 6.55 hits per nine innings pitch is the best all time. That is incredible, and especially if you look by today's metric and how many runs are scored. The fact that he didn't even allow seven a game just shows you how dominant he is. He won two ERA titles, eight All-Stars, 
He's a World Series champion, and the legendary slugger himself, Reggie Jackson, described facing Nolan Ryan's 100-mile-per-hour fastball as it's like ice cream. You may love it, but you don't want it shoveled down your throat by the gallon. <laughs> Some postseason stats. And this is so the reason why I have Nolan Ryan at number three is because of his postseason stats. As far as, you know, winning all the no hitters and how consistent he was for 27 years, you can make the argument, but I had to rank him here just because of this. And also the fact that he never won a Cy Young Award. But Zach talked about this earlier and we kind of dismissed it. But his mediocre postseason stats, he was two and two with the 3.07 ERA. He had one complete game, a 0.903 whip, and a minus 1.7% CWPA. Yeah, I mean, and and again, I'm not hating on Nolan Ryan. He was a hell of a pitcher. You know, you always have the people that say, did you ever see Nolan Ryan pitch? And uh, that's fair. But um, again, and and I know a lot of people love him, but I'm just I'm just speaking what I've seen and, and stuff. So Randy Johnson's my number three, the big unit. 19 year career, relatively short compared to other people on this list, but he spent 10 years in Seattle, eight with the Diamondbacks, two with the Expos and Yankees, and he did solo years with the Giants and the Astros. 300 game winner, he won 303 games, 166 losses, 3.29 ERA, 4875 strikeouts. He averaged uh, 17. And nine over the course of his career, wins and losses, that is. Two shutouts, 238 innings, 271 strikeouts, and 88 walks. He's second all-time in strikeouts behind Nolan Ryan and second all-time in Cy Young's behind Roger Clemens with Randy Johnson coming in with five. Also followed up in Maddox's footsteps, winning the Cy Young four straight times. The big unit was six foot ten, a side-armed lefty, filthy. Filthy. One of the other things that comes to mind when I think of Randy Johnson was uh, May 18th, 2004. I was actually at a friend of mine at a big sleepover we had. He threw a perfect game against the Braves. Obviously, growing up as a Braves fan, I remember watching this game and him just mowing down everybody. The big unit was nasty. He was filthy. Man, that's all that needs to be said. He's my number three. That's a great pick. And I do want to preface something. I do have Randy Johnson in the next era. And I'll explain why, and I'll lay out my framework for why I put him in the 2000s. But I couldn't agree with you more. The big unit is an incredible pitcher and very deserving to be on this list. So next, we have our top three pitchers of the 2000s. We like to call it the modern era. And this one was incredibly difficult because I feel like we could have had a cutoff at 2010 and beyond to rank some of the current guys pitching. And I tried to evaluate some of their stats and kind of see where they're at comparatively speaking. And there's a couple of arguments that you could make. But I went with more of the early 2000s guys because there was three that really stood out to me and growing up watching baseball and when i think of great 2000s pitchers this is who comes to mind number one i have pedro el grande martinez he won 219 games with 100 losses he is a 2.93 era 3154 strikeouts a 1.054 whip or an 84 wins above replacement he was elected to the 2015 baseball hall of fame So his stats, historically speaking, he is third all-time in ERA plus with 154, which means he was 54% better at not allowing runs to score than anyone else. Absolutely ridiculous stat, and you can see why if you grew up watching him. 
He's fourth all-time in strikeouts per nine innings with 10.03. Seventh all-time in win probability added with 53.7. Another sabermetric stat for you. And he is sixth all-time in whip. Pedro posted the top three pitcher score seasons of all time from 1998 to 2000. And in 2000, he posted a 0.737 whip, which is the best single season mark ever. In his prime, a lot of people would argue that he is the greatest pitcher of all time. And I think you can certainly make that argument. He won three Cy Youngs, one Triple Crown, five ERA titles. He broke the elusive World Series curse for the Boston Red Sox in 2004. And he's an eight-time All-Star. My favorite Pedro quote is, I don't believe in damn curses. Wake up the damn Bambino, have me face him. Maybe I'll drill him in the ass, pardon the word. <laughs> the guy was clearly fearless, calling out the babe like that. The guy clearly has some balls, and he could back it up, no doubt about it. In the postseason, Pedro was most known for helping the Red Sox win the 2004 World <laughs> Series. He went 6-4 and four for his career with a 3.46 ERA, a 1.08 whip, and a 3.6% CWPA. Pedro was very good, man. He was damn good for those Red Sox and for the Dodgers and the Expos. So I did my list a little different. Um, I went up to the present day. So um, these guys are still pitching. So number one, I think you got to go with Clayton Kershaw. He's pitched from 2008 to the present. He spent all 13 years of his career with Los Angeles. The record of 175 wins and 76 losses and 2.43 ERA. 2,526 strikeouts at the time of this recording. Three-time Cy Young winner. He's also a part of that really elite club to win the MVP. He won the 2014 American League MVP. Uh, for his career, he's averaged 17-7 and seven with a 2.43 ERA. One shutout, 223 innings, 242 strikeouts, and 56 walks. I got to be honest with you. Obviously, I know that everybody hypes up Kershaw and all this stuff, but uh, looking at his numbers, man, he is legitimately an all-time great. I was very surprised. You will hear my knock on Kershaw here in a few minutes when we when we wrap up the show, but man, Kershaw has been great. He's um, actually just helped the Dodgers break the curse finally, uh, winning their first World Series title since 1987. They broke through. Man, I got to give my number one spot to Kershaw. Yeah, I went back and forth on putting him on my list. I almost did. It was it was super close for me because you're right. If you look at his career numbers, he's an all-time great. You can't deny it anymore. And having that World Series championship certainly helps. My number two guy, and let me tell you the reasons why I put him in the 2000 sack. I have Randy, the big unit, Johnson. So I know more of his career was in the 90s. I get that. But he did pitch nine years in the 2000s. And in my opinion, his 2000 to 2004 stretch with the Diamondbacks was the best he ever pitched in his career. That's why I put him here. He helped them win their first World Series title. And he's also the only guy to ever hit a bird with a baseball, which you can still find that video. So you've already laid out most of the framework about him. He's clearly incredible, and his postseason performance was amazing for the Diamondbacks, helping a new franchise team come in and win it. And just because he was so dominant during those years, I placed him on my list. That's fair. The big unit, man, like I said, he was hell. 
Uh, number two on my list for this um, time frame, I'm going to go Justin Verlander. He's pitched from 2005 to the present. He spent 13 years with Detroit, and he has spent four years with the Astros. He's 226 and 129 with a 3.33 ERA with uh, 3,013 strikeouts, averaging 17 wins, 10 losses, one shutout, 224 innings, 226 strikeouts, and 64 walks in his career. Two-time Cy Young winner. Uh, won the 2011 AL MVP. Dude has just been a hoss and a workhorse for a long time. He also married Kate Upton, which does not hurt his coordinates for this list. So number two, I got Justin Verlander. Yeah, the guy's been a model of consistency for a long time, and he's pitched great in the postseason. There's really no knocks against him. When you think of like modern 2000s baseball pitchers, you think of Kershaw and you think of Verlander. I looked a little bit into Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom, but I just don't think that their numbers are quite up there with Kershaw and Verlander. But my number three pitcher from the 2000s and my only non-starting pitcher on this list. And to be honest with you, I really thought long and hard about putting him number one, and it kind of pains me that I have him at number three. Mariano Rivera. Mo. Mo. He played 19 seasons from 1995 to 2013, all with the Yankees. He went 82 and 60 with a 2.21 ERA, 652 saves, a one whip, 1173 strikeouts, and 56.3 wins above replacements for a closer. That is absolutely ridiculous. And if you really look at his numbers, I think that if you just look at pitching as a whole in totality, and how much more dominant he has been than any closer ever, you could certainly make the argument that Mariano Rivera is the greatest pitcher ever. I can't stand the Yankees, but you can't argue against his track record. He easily threw the best cut fastball of all time, and he is the only unanimous Hall of Famer. The Baseball Hall of Fame is the hardest Hall of Fame among all sports leagues to get into, And the fact that he was a unanimous Hall of Famer to me is ridiculous. And it just shows how well-respected and renowned he was. He has the most saves all time. His career 2.21 ERA ranks number one among all pitchers who started their careers in the live ball era. He is number one in one of my favorite stats, ERA plus with 205. Think about that. 105% better at not allowing runs to score. And coming in as a closer in scenarios like that, there's a lot of pressure. So the fact that he was able to put up those types of numbers just showed that he had ice in his veins his entire career. He is the fifth all-time in win probability added. He is third in whip. And he is eighth in hits per nine inning with 6.997. Just think about how ridiculous that is. He had 15 straight seasons with at least 28 saves. And in 11 of those seasons, his ERA was under two. In my opinion, he is the most clutch pitcher of all time. And he completely dominated the postseason. Think about this, Zach, for a second. He only allowed two home runs in 141 innings in the postseason. And he had a 0.7 ERA. He won five World Series, one World Series MVP, an ALCS MVP. He was a 13-time All-Star and five reliever of the year. His postseason stats, he was 8-1. and one. I already mentioned the 0.7 ERA, 42 saves. whip and 183% CWPA. 
which is the most all-time among pitchers. It means he almost won two World Series games himself. Mo certainly has a case to be the greatest pitcher of all time. Look, I got I have nothing against what you just said, and you every word you said was correct. Uh, I just decided to keep my list at starting pitchers. I felt like that um, it was going to be the easiest to compare them. If we were just doing relief pitchers, this would kind of just be the Lee Smith, Dennis Eckersley, Trevor Hoffman, Mariano Rivera show. But uh, right. I agree with you. Uh, moving into my third pick. I've got Roy Holiday. So uh, Roy Holiday played from 1998 to 2013. He spent 12 years with the Blue Jays and four with the Phillies. He won 203 games and 105 losses, a 3.38 ERA, and uh, 2,117 strikeouts. 200 wins and uh, 105 losses doesn't sound that impressive, but however, when you look at it over the average, he would have averaged 17 and 9 Two shutouts, 232 innings, 179 strikeouts, and 50 walks. Um, that is essentially uh, Greg Maddox only averaged 16 wins a year, and uh, Royal Holiday averaged 17. He was a two-time Cy Young winner, just was dominant, really pitched well in the American League for a long time in that tough division against the Yankees. He actually just died in 2017 in a plane crash off of coast of Florida. Um, he was a hell of a pitcher, and he actually, when he went to Philadelphia, they had that four-headed monster of uh, – Roy Holiday, Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, and Roy Oswalt for a short period. And they actually won a World Series in 2008 doing it. So Roy Holiday is my number three. I got to be honest. I didn't realize that Holiday had those types of statistics. That's that's crazy. And after hearing that, he definitely deserves a spot on this list. No doubt about it. I remember I used to play on the old MLB The Show 08 games. I used to play with the Phillies all the time just because of that dominant pitching staff that they had. So... Holiday was an incredible pitcher, and I think that's a deserving nomination. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so here's my soap. So when I made this list, I said that I did not take postseason accountability into this. However, I've just got the postseason records here of all the players that I listed. And Mm -hmm. granted, some of these records, the sample size is very small. But here's what I got. So Christy Mathewson, 5-5. Walter Johnson, 3-3. Cy Young, 2-3. Koufax four and three, Gibson seven and two, Carlton six and six, Clemens twelve and eight, Greg Maddox eleven and fourteen, Randy Johnson seven and nine, Clayton Kershaw thirteen and twelve, Verlander fourteen and eleven, and Roy Holiday or Roy Holiday three and two. And the reason why I bring this up is because just because I have this on this list, you can be the greatest pitcher of all time and still. If I've got one game to win, you may not necessarily be my guy. The reason why I bring this up is because you look at, we talked about Greg Maddox's brilliance and how he was one of the best pitchers of his generation. He was 11-14 in the postseason. His teammate, also a 300-game winner, Tom Glavin, who was a lefty, was 11, excuse me, was 14-16 and in the postseason. If they had to win a game, John Smoltz got the ball. John Smoltz was 15-4 and in the postseason. Same thing. Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez were fantastic pitchers, and they had solid postseasons of their own. Kurt Schilling was 11-4 and four in the postseason. Mm-hmm. He was getting the ball. Andy Pettit pitched on these some of these teams with Roger Clemens. Andy Pettit was 19-11 and 11 in the postseason. I mean, these guys, they may not have the – obviously, Smoltz has 200 games that he won – He's got like 150 saves. Obviously, he's got great statistics, but 
man, 15 and four in the postseason. Man, that's rough. That's but that that's what I'm saying. I just wanted to clarify that a little bit just because I've got these guys on here as my top pitchers. That's not mean that, man, I got to win one ball game. That's does not necessarily mean I'm giving them the ball. I just wanted to kind of clear that up a little bit. No, I understand it. And the only reason I put it in there was just because I place a lot of emphasis on the playoffs. And I know baseball can be fluky, but I just try to take a totality perspective and rank it based off of that. I, I put more emphasis, though, on statistics and just kind of how effective they were during those eras. And a lot of our picks, we agreed with a lot of the same pitchers, but we did have some areas where we disagreed, mostly in the modern era, but... That's okay. That's what that's what makes it interesting. And that's right. That's what it's all about. It's cool how we just took, I don't know, uh 140 years of baseball and agreed on 80% of it. Yeah. So gun to your head. Throw everything else out. Best pitcher of all time. Doesn't matter what era. Nothing else matters. Who is your top guy? Gun to your you gotta head. Clar- you gotta clarify. Are we talking about for one game? Are we talking about for one season or one career? One career. Well, I think it comes down to two people. I think it's Walter Johnson. I think it's the big train or a healthy Sandy Koufax. If you give me a healthy Sandy Koufax, I think you're in pretty good hands or give me the big train. I'll leave it at that. What about you? I agree with you on the healthy Koufax. Had he been healthy, he has a tremendous argument for it. I would say my other one would be Pedro Martinez. When he was on, he was one of the most unhittable pitchers of all time. Uh, yeah, but again, you know, you, you, we talk about these postseasons. He was 6-4, and four, which obviously he had a winning record. But again, when the Red Sox had to win a game, it was Kurt Schilling out there pitching with the bloody sock. It wasn't Pedro. That's true. Pedro had, it was very important to winning the 2004 World Series. Not doubting that, not doubting that. But I, again, I'm just saying, Francona was giving the ball to Kurt Schilling first. That's fair, and Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. The fact that he's not is, in my opinion, disgraceful. He's let some of his political ideology kind of run his run his life, and you know we're all entitled to our opinion. You just don't have to blast it on social media. I think he'll get in, whether it be posthumously or whether it be while he's alive, uh, but uh, it'll be a while. Well, we hope you enjoyed this deep dive into baseball history. We're definitely going to do some more segments like this going forward. Our next one, we're going to be ranking the top 10 NHL centers of all time, so stay tuned for that. And always, if you enjoy our show and you want to see it grow, follow us on Twitter at Caller Shots. You can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify wherever you get your podcast. And we actually started a Patreon where we have different levels that you can donate to with different giveaways. You could actually come on the show if you really wanted to. So take a look at it. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash callingmyshots. Yeah, leave us a like, leave us a comment. Tell us what you like, tell us what you didn't like. Man, we're just trying to grow this thing. Come join us. It's going to be fun. All right, with that being said, this has been Calling My Shots.